0: To be live in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And folks, tonight, tonight is a big show. We have actual talent on the No <laughs> Outlet podcast. And let me just start by saying that improv comedy can save the world. And our guest <laughs> tonight is helping to make that possibility a reality. Not only is he part of an improv troupe but he also teaches the dark arts of improv at Improv Asylum in Boston. In fact, he taught me and several other students recently, and I am a big fan. We are going to talk about improv, how to solve the Fibonacci sequence, and many other topics. So without any further ado, please give a warm, no-outlet welcome to Henry Nickerson. Henry, how are you?
1: Oh great! That was a that was a wonderful introduction. Well, I mean, yeah, that was amazing. I feel like that's god. I I don't know if I can live up to all of that. <laughs> well, we're, well, we're gonna
0: find out right now.
1: We're oh, gonna yeah. play
0: a play. We're gonna play a game called Twenty Questions, and it always starts the exact same place, and that's question number one. Question number one: What are your thoughts on the idea that interstellar interstellar beings? Have visited here several times before, and are actually living among us currently.
1: You know, as much as I want to believe something like that, I, I think I think there are definitely interstellar beings out there, like chilling and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, but I think them having come here, I think I think if interstellar beings ever came here, I think they'd see it once and they'd be like, yeah, we're good. Um, I don't know if they'd want to come back. Uh, I also feel like I don't know. It's a cop out. I, I I feel like our I feel like just as a world without interstellar beings, we're we're fucked up as it is. I don't think we I don't think we need to equate it to anything outside of it. But uh, right. If we could, if there was interstellar beings making making the world as weird as it is, then I then power to them. They've done a great job. They would- <laughs>
0: That would explain a lot, and it's funny. I, I've, I've asked that question a bunch, and I would say probably 38% of the time I get the answer that you started with, which is if they ever looked at us, they wouldn't <laughs> want to come here. Um, so common, a common answer there. Okay, so let's talk about improv. How did you get into improv? The most broad question I can ask you.
1: Oh, yeah. No, yeah, so um, it was actually – well, to go back a little bit, so my I have an older brother who he was uh he was never really into like sports like I was, so I was really into soccer and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and um he was really into theater and musicals and stuff like that. So one time I got uh, hurt during soccer and I was out for like seven months in eighth grade, and he convinced me to to try out for the musical we were doing, and I really loved it. And so he went to high school and became part of my high school improv troupe, which was like weirdly well-established and had a lot of great comedians on it. And um, I don't know, I looked up to him a lot. So I, as soon as I went to high school, like I did all like the soccer team and everything else. But like my main thing was like, God, I want to get on the improv troupe so bad. Wow. It seems so cruel.
0: That's really cool. I yeah. mean, so first of all, I, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. I, what injury kept you out for seven months?
1: Oh, it was like a weird back injury, like a par. I it was called it like a pars stress fracture or something. Wow. Um, I thought, yeah. But it was definitely not the reason for the end of my soccer career. That was, that was too much weed and not <laughs> working. <out. laughs>
0: yeah. That's, that's the dreaded combo, uh, smoking weed and not running. Um, exactly. Yes.
1: That's, but they're two of my favorite things to, to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but
0: yeah yeah. no I hear but it but I
1: also I remember like for some reason you know like I said we had like a, a weirdly like well-established improv troop in my high school where yeah. like the people on it were like they're actually funny like people they were thought of as like cool around the campus like they threw like p- like party parties where there was like drinking and like you know girls and stuff like that and um I don't know I thought they were like I thought they were the equivalents, like the Animal House, like fraternity. So I wanted, like, I so desperately wanted to get into high school private, private high school improv.
0: Wow, yeah, I mean that. First of all, what a cool high school to have a well-established improv team. Um, what yeah. school was that?
1: Uh, so it was called, it's called Rockers High School. It's in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Um, wow! But yeah, we've made a lot of a lot of great people have uh, come out of there. We've had we've had Jason Sudeikis. We've had um, had you remember the old uh, the dude that ran with Hillary Clinton? Yeah. Him, Ames. Yep, he's from there. So nothing. So, wait, not so, truth, so
0: Ted Lasso went to your high school.
1: He did. Yeah, yeah. That's he, uh, pretty he went cool. For two years went for two years. Then I think he was over it because it's it, I don't know. Um, but yeah, he was there.
0: So you're, you big bro. You look up to him. You got a, you got a animal house, cool level improv team in high school. I want to be part of it. You get part of it. But aside from the high school improv team, what was the first, and I don't want to disparage that high school improv team by saying it wasn't professional because clearly it was, oh, yeah. but what was the first time that you actually spent money outside of that and said, I'm going to pay money to go see this improv troupe right here. What was that?
1: Um, like so when I paid to see a show, yeah.
0: Or, or even, yeah, if, you know, if somebody bought you a ticket to go see a show, but like the first show that wasn't something that you were, you know, part of in your school, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. out Outside of when I was maybe in like seventh and eighth grade and I was seeing that troupe my brother was on right. my, um, my family would sometimes take little trips to Chicago. And I was like, um, like as soon as I, I got into improv, I, with a lot of things in my life, if I get into it, you know, I really get into it. So like I, I consumed, you know, I read every book there was to read about improv and mm-hmm. SNL and everything. So I was obsessed with second city and oh. I thought it was like the, you know, the Mecca if I was going to Chicago. So every time I went to Chicago, I would ask my parents to, to pay for, uh, you know, multiple second city shows. Um, and I, would asked for my birthday to go there and stuff like that. And it was, a uh, it was a lot of fun. I got to watch a lot of improv when I was younger.
0: That's really cool. I I think personally, and this is not a question more of just an opinion, but uh, the more improv I'm around, the more I feel like they should introduce it even earlier. Like I think it's a good way oh. for communication to be fostered and conflict resolution and just an overall good attitude. I feel like if they were to introduce it like in elementary school even or junior high? Like I think it would help in a lot of different ways.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's, I mean, there's even this book that I just read recently called uh, United States or what's it called? Improv Nation. Um, mm-hmm. And it goes back to kind of the roots of improv. Uh, and it's this guy named Paul Sills. I can't it's awful. off. I like, can't remember his mother's name, but his mother, you know, wasn't performer, wasn't a comedian. She basically came up with improv as like a, like assimilation exercise for uh, young refugee children in the U.S., wow. and it was her son that was like, you know what, we could probably put this on stage and, and you know sell some tickets.
0: Amazing! What a great idea! I love that. So you you go to you, every chance you get. You're in Chicago. You go into Second City, uh, and mm-hmm. then, then when do you say to yourself, okay, I, not only am I obsessed with it, but I'm going to start taking lessons. Like sometime in college, did you start to like Go on yeah. track, or like how did that work out?
1: Well, it, it's it's weird. I had kind of an odd improv upbringing where I was never really like my freshman, sophomore year of high school. Uh, whoever was running the club, so senior, his name was Zach Stolman. He's actually a very funny comedian in, in New York now, but he, uh, or Sonny Stolman, that's his stage name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, uh, but they would, I mean, kind of teach us the basics that they knew. And when I took over the troupe with a, a buddy of mine, Aaron Brown junior year uh, we kind of just taught people what we knew and then when I went to college um, my college really had no improv or comedy presence whatsoever so mm-hmm. I basically forced a couple of my roommates that I got along well with to uh, try out improv and like help me build a troupe there Wow, uh, yeah and by the time we were seniors you know we had a you know we had 14 people in this little club we had a couple troops within that club performing they're still going on there. So, uh, but all this to say, I have always, it wasn't until I graduated college and actually got in a, an official training center, like at IA that I I really was ever taught improv. I always just kind of figured it out, like did improv and figured out what worked or what didn't work and then told others to do that, even if it wasn't the right thing to tell them.
0: That is really cool. Totally organic improv.
1: Uh, it was kind of. Yeah. yeah.
0: So with with IA, you guys focus primarily on and I think I'm, I got the answer already from your last statement, but I'm going to ask this anyways. You guys focus on short form improv, right? And there's all different types of improv. Um, mm-hmm. You've got multiple long forms. Have you ever yeah. have you ever done uh, a Herald?
1: I have. Yeah, I've, I've done heralds a couple times. Uh, and I've tried to teach it to people. Again, I I taught it to uh, some people incredibly wrong once, but uh, we still have fun. Um, But I've never done one on stage, and I've never been taught a Herald, and that's like a part of my... um, I feel like if I was self-conscious about any of my improv tools, it would definitely be some of that longer form stuff that I, uh, I want to kind of get into more in the future.
0: Teaching a Harold wrong. That makes me think of like a rogue improv instructor. That's just (laughs) intentionally teaching everyone the wrong way. Um, Oh yeah. No,
1: That the first eight, nine years of improv for me was just piss and vinegar. Just me just thinking I knew what was going down and me confidently telling others that.
0: But you were into it like that to me, it's like passion Trump's, Everything. Like if you're into something and it and it's it's inside you and you want to do it like like literally fake it till you make it. Right. I mean, like there is there's nothing wrong with that. I think that without that, I think a lot of the things that we look at in awe today would not even be around. You know, what I mean, like flying the Wright brothers. I just finished reading a book by Dave McCullough about the Wright brothers. Nobody thought they could do it. Nobody thought they oh, could yeah. do it. And they really didn't know what they were doing. They kind of just literally figured it out as they were going. And here we are. We can, you know, fly to, you know, London in six hours.
1: Exactly. And I would have been, you know, I would have been one of those people back then that was a full naysayer. I would have been telling them, like, <laughs> don't fucking do that. Sounds like such a bad idea. You know what? I'm actually, I fly a lot, but I'm a nervous flyer even now. I just, Same. I still don't, I don't think it should work. I don't think it should work. I think we're playing with God too much.
0: You know, it's. I am so with you. I used to fly and never think about it, and then all of a sudden, it was just like one day I was just like, "Wait a second! Like, where? What's going on? And how is it? Yeah, I don't know what it 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 is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Who do you think is behind the non-stop calls about auto warranties?
1: Um, probably Amazon somehow. Yeah, they're behind a little everything. Or um, yeah, I'm gonna go with with Amazon or like the like big. If there was like big landline industry, yep. I feel like uh, it's the only thing keeping up the landline industry. It's,
0: uh, it's horrible. Whoever is yeah. behind it deserves a lashing of some kind. Um, oh yeah. So our re- we have a crack research team here, and our research team. Has provided a dossier uh, on me, on you, and and one of the Ooh. facts that stood out was that you're a huge soccer fan. You mentioned you played a lot, and that's great. But more specifically, you're a Man City, uh, uh, you know, supporter. And okay. as a Tottenham Hotspur fan, I I, I need <laughs> to ask: Does it ever get boring rooting for a team that just always seems to win everything?
1: You know what? So this year, uh, it, it ha- actually. So I would also like to put this on record. I was a Manchester City fan when I was um, like we have we have some of our best for my family's best friends are from Chester, which is a town about forty minutes outside of Manchester. So I was in those blue blue colors since I was a, a baby before all the money came in. All right, I want to put that on record. Old school fan, folks. <laughs> exactly. No fair weather, but um, I will say uh, last year I was getting a little bit of that where I was like. You know, I might have had more... I had more fun watching Man City in 2012 um, before we had gotten, like, that first Premier League uh, that we hadn't had, or we hadn't yeah. won first in the top division in, like, 40 years or something back then. Um, so that was some of the best times of watching City in my life. And then I did get a little bored throughout the years, and even, like, dropped off from, like, keeping up with it week by week. Mm-hmm. I knew what was going on, but still. Uh, but it was... It's really... These past couple years, especially this year with us trying to get the treble, right. Champions League this Saturday, excited for that. Um, I got really, really back into it. I'm Man City till I die. Yep. Citizen. However, I will say I, I really like Brighton uh, and I bought a Brighton jersey recently and um, I had a, a picture on Instagram where I was in it. And my, my buddy from England uh, messaged me uh, very upset. He's very upset with me.
0: <laughs> you can't have two teams, mate.
1: Exactly. Yeah. He's like, this is the problem with you Americans. We're just going around like the next.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear it. So, you know, and, and I love Brighton too. Brighton's a nice, a fun team, young, mm. great, attractive football. And, and the great thing about the Premier League, one of the many great things about the Premier League, is a team like Brighton can literally come out of nowhere And all of a sudden, not necessarily compete for the top spot, but compete. You know what I mean? And end up in a European spot. So uh, I I love that. So let's get a little bit broad with your comedic taste. What was the very first movie that you saw when you were younger that made you realize, okay, I get it. That's funny. And I know why. Because sometimes when you're a kid, you're watching a movie with your parents or older kids or whatever, and something's funny and, and you laugh, but you're not. Really sure why you're laughing or why it's funny, and then there's that one moment where like it like clicks on. You're like, yes, okay, I get it, and that's kind of like the the beginning of having a sense of humor, right? Do you remember what that was?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if I could pinpoint a certain moment because I I think it was more, um, like my family is one of those. It's a family that speaks almost exclusively, and like. 90s to early 2000s um like comedy quotes okay love uh, it. yeah so like whether when i was like a little baby i was a fat baby so my aunt always used to sing you know fat guy in a little coat <laughs> and tommy boy sure. and like like generally it, this has been, been you know uh, tricky when my girlfriend meets my family because it's like we literally jokes because they are references to movies but like as a family we do speak in these quotations um and i think at a young age <laughs> i think at a young age i realized that that's kind of how my family communicated um and that the fact that like i don't know someone whether it's a writer or a comedian could write or deliver a line that becomes just like this intrinsic part of how like family communicates i just thought it was so i thought it's so cool And it's not like, you're never going to, you're never going to like ingest, like ingest, like, uh, you know, quote the fucking god, like, well, maybe the godfather, but like some really depressing movie. Right. But you are going to quote the really funny movie. And I don't know. Yeah. I just, I always, it was always in my life and I always, it felt like they had so much like cool power to make people happy. so
0: That is so cool. And I can imagine like the very first time that your girlfriend witnessed this code that was being you know uttered back and forth she's probably a little bit nervous like not really sure are they gonna like me they're not gonna like me and it's like wait what are they doing why are they why are they talking like this what are they what are they they saying oh that's a rock oh that's
1: exactly it yeah Yeah. and it's um i even had you know i've had whether it's people i've dated or friends in the past that they either really love it they're either obsessed with the family or they're like dude i don't want to hang out with your family i don't fucking get
0: it it's too intimidating yeah (laughs) what tv show makes you laugh the most right
1: now Ooh, uh, right now, I'm watching uh, the third season of The Great. Have you heard of that? The Great, yeah. Oh, no. It's uh, it's uh, I can't remember which Fanning it is. It's either Dakota Fanning or the the other one. Um, and then Nicholas Holt is a bunch of really good actors. But it's in general, it's uh, Catherine the Great. It's the story of Catherine the Great, but it's all a comedy, and it's uh, they use very modern, you know, vernacular. Uh, it, it's just so freaking funny. You got to watch it, what, is it on, on the Netflix? third season. Is it
0: on Netflix? What is it on?
1: It's, uh, it's on Hulu. It's perfect combo of like, if you're a history nerd, history, comedy, a little bit of drama in there. Great.
0: That's cool. Check that out. I've never heard of it. Um, okay. So what are your feelings on the facts that, that is, is now becoming irrefutable that hummingbirds make the greatest pets?
1: Ooh, hummingbirds make the greatest pets.
0: Hummingbirds make the greatest pets.
1: I could see that. I mean, I think I think their sugar water budget might go through the roof, but um, they do seem like they'd make good pets. Hummingbirds are the ones that eat sugar food, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah totally. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 yeah. Don't, you don't have to walk them. You don't. I mean, yeah, you, I
1: think that would be great. Right? I had uh, a bird when I was younger. I loved, I loved having a bird.
0: And just to clarify, I'm talking about... Like, I don't mean having a hummingbird inside of your home. I mean, letting that hummingbird
1: roam free Yeah, I'm I'm losing you a little bit. What was that?
0: Oh, um, I I was saying, like, letting that hummingbird outside in nature roam free. Like, I don't mean capturing the hummingbird and having it in your house. (laughs) I mean, just in in nature. So it's, like, you don't have to worry about, like... like Oh, that's true. Like, like one of the worst things about having a, a dog or any animal is, like, it's so sad when it dies. Well... You could have a hummingbird that comes by your house, eats your sugar water, dazzles you with their master of space and time movements, and then everything's yeah. going to die in the woods or get eaten by an owl, and you'll never know. You
1: won't know. Right. Yeah. You avoid the heartache. You'll be the smarter. That is a great idea. Just, yeah. just the animals as pets. It will always work.
0: It will always. There you go. That's it. <laughs> now, you've recently started teaching improv after all these years of of loving improv and learning improv so now that you've taught do you perform Do you, which one do you prefer like
1: performing improv or teaching oh here sorry i i lost you there a little bit
0: okay I, I, what i'm asking is do you prefer teaching improv or performing improv Ooh,
1: sorry i'm still having trouble hearing you that's okay you say you're, performing you're, or teaching
0: yeah yeah you're clear as a bell by the oh. way
1: Okay, perfect. Um, I would say, I mean, I still, I mean, I prefer I prefer performing just because I, at the end of the day, I'm a little narcissist who loves the <laughs> loves the laughs and applause and stuff. Um, but at the same time, like what made me love improv really in the first place, and what like I've gotten so much just like joy and joy out of is teaching. Yeah. Um, it makes Probably. me so happy especially i mean a lot of people don't love teaching say like a level one or something because it's a bit of a mixed bag but mm-hmm. um i really i i like teaching uh people that are new to improv because that's where i most of my experience has been in because i think there's always like one or two people that like fully don't believe they will like it or fully are terrified and by the end of of a couple of weeks they are you know they have friends and they're they're trying these these things out that they would never have tried and also yeah. like there's this new sound confidence in them that you see I just I, I love that part of it yeah
0: absolutely so you live in Boston currently let's ask a couple of Boston type questions oh yeah um, um so where's the best place in Boston to get a cup of coffee
1: ooh um I would go with that's a good one you know I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna plug a place that I used to work a few years ago. It's uh, called Yahoo, J A H O. J
0: A H O. Okay. Um,
1: yeah, it's a it's a coffee house by day and then like a wine bar slash coffee house by night. Fun. Um, it's run by this really sweet Albanian family, um, and it's like it has like a lot of like great Albanian food and cakes. It also you know you can have a beer with your coffee. Not, not a bad idea.
0: So is that like a singular, there's one location of Yahoo, is that right?
1: So actually there's multiple, so there's I think there's like five. I think okay. they started in Salem. They have two there. They have one here in Chinatown, that's where I worked. One in the south end and then one right next to Prudential Center.
0: I love it. That's great. I mean, even though it's got multiple locations, still a small business, family owned.
1: Oh, yeah. I
0: love that stuff. Exactly. Now, Very was, much.
1: Like the uh, this old, like, 70-year-old Albanian man used to like carry these massive bags of beans uh and like deliver them to our store every day. Wow. The sweetest guy ever. Also extremely intimidating at times. But uh right. it's they're, they're really great people. You Excellent. should uh should visit it.
0: Absolutely. Shout out to Yahoo. Um all right, so you came from Kansas City, Missouri, maybe one of the nicest states, or at least that's the reputation. Um you might mm-hmm. be able to refute that, but it always seems like people from that area are super nice. And you came to Boston, right? Doesn't exactly have the same reputation in terms of people's attitudes, right? Nor does it have the best reputation in terms of driving skills. You could say that people that drive in Boston aren't the greatest uh, operators of motor vehicles. So of all the Mm -hmm. driving habits that you've seen in Boston, what's the most annoying one?
1: Um, well, so luckily for me, so when I was in school in Rhode Island, I would drive to Boston a lot, and that's when I had a car. Now I don't have a car, um, cause I live in the North End. I can just get around with the T, but, uh, you got, I'm not gonna say you guys, but mass, mass drivers will, on a, like a 30 mile per hour street, they will drive 15 miles an hour. Then as soon as they're on the highway, if you aren't going, at least 30 miles over the speed limit in the passing lane, like, you are, you will get tailgated. And it, it is ridiculous. It's crazy. I I remember, I drove here for, for a number of years, and my, my girlfriend, who is from up here, would always tell me, like, like, dude, use the horn. Use the horn right now. And I always told her, like, if you use the horn in, in Kansas or Missouri, where I'm from, like, that's basically like saying, like, let's pull over and, like, fight right now. Um, yeah,
0: we're going to have, we're going to fix this right now. We're going to have a fight. Literally.
1: Yeah. I, like, I got home to Kansas, um, or to Missouri and on one of like my little breaks or whatever. And I was driving with friends and I used the horn cause I'd kind of gotten used to it. And everyone in the car was like, yo, dude, chill I'm trying to have a nice night. Like what the hell? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a, it's the only thing worse than the horn in in Boston is the horn in New York.
1: Yeah. They, they love <laughs> exactly. the horn there.
0: Um, okay, let's talk about music. what What music are you listening to right now?
1: Ooh, uh, I got a lot. I got a lot on the uh, the docket. I'm a big music guy. Um, one album that I'm currently like really obsessed with uh, is called "Ants from Up There" by a band called Black Country New Road. Mm-hmm. Um, like a post-punky, I don't know. It's really beautiful. It's a great. It's a really, really great album. Um, it's a bummer though, because it came out like two years ago, and then like right after it came out, the lead singer was like, "Hey, being a lead singer of a somewhat famous band is stressing me out, so I'm leaving." No way. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm hoping their the next the next album will will be as good, but. That's
0: interesting and really honest because, you know, normally you'd think the people that are A, in a band, and B, the lead singer, what they are looking for is attention. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess they might not do the calculus of along with that attention comes stress, but uh, but good for Correct. him for acknowledging it and not, you know, going down different paths. so.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I will, at the same time, you listen to the lyrics on this album, and you're like, yeah, he maybe should take a step away. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, it's time to. He should take a breather. He seems pretty sad.
0: Yeah, go get some chamomile tea. Sit down. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so uh, what are your thoughts on the fifth dentist out there who does not recommend sugar-free gum?
1: Uh, he's a fucking rogue. He uh, he's out there to be to be you know the devil's advocate, and I, I love it. He's uh, he's going to give you the opinion. Whether you like it or not, he's not going to take Big Teeth money. Uh, so I respect the hell out of them. Big Teeth, that that dentist is amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's many opinions on him, but th- there's one of them. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, what can be done, um, if anything, about the increasingly aggressive and annoying attitude that Pat Sajak is wielding on the Wheel of Fortune?
1: Uh, just needs to be taken down a notch or two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big problem. I think, we, I think yeah, exactly. I think we ought to send a, a strongly worded letter to their doorstep.
0: I like that. I like that. Yeah. You know, Wheel of Fortune has been on forever, and Pat Sajak used to be the most unassuming guy and i don't i'm i'm it's making it sound like i watch it all the time i don't I, I, i've probably <laughs> Big seen wheel it. i've seen it twice in like the last two years but both times that i've seen it i've watched it with my girlfriend and he's just he's more interested in making the contestants and granted some of those contestants deserve a little you know reality check with their mm-hmm. iq but he's he's the game show host he's supposed to be supportive he he should want them all to win and instead he's really interested in making sure they all realize when they make a mistake. And, and I, and I'm, I'm pretty much fed up with it. That's it.
1: That's, that's some negative attitude. You don't need that, that type of energy in your life. You don't. Um, though I will say Steve Harvey is somewhat becoming a problem just because um, I feel like he's getting, he always gets his viral moment when someone says something like vaguely dirty on wheel of fortune and oh, he just yeah. goes something crazy. Yeah. I feel like he's just, I feel like he's, He's fishing for, for dirtiness now. I feel like he just wants to to crack up.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. He, he's he's stretching it out a little bit too much. Like, don't force it, Steve. It'll come to you. Like yeah, just every exactly. for every one time you do it, maybe just do it a half a time. Um, okay, yeah. so rank in order of overall cultural impact: Star Wars, the Star Wars saga as a whole, right? Harry mm-hmm. Potter or Jersey Shore?
1: Ooh, cultural impact.
0: Cultural impact,
1: or uh, I'm gonna do yeah. I'm gonna do like personally for my cultural impact. I think I would go, um, like in terms of my my bubble or worldview. I'm probably gonna go Jersey Shore first because.
0: Oh, what? Yeah,
1: I, I here's the thing. I watched Jersey Shore. Uh, I've seen all of the Harry Potter's once, and I think I've seen all the Star Wars once. I uh I I've never been like a huge uh, fantasy guy or uh, actually I do like sci-fi, but like long series intimidate me Um, and people getting drunk on the shore and saying the funniest shit ever that does, that intimidates me less. So I've definitely watched more Jersey shore and it's definitely more, it's definitely influenced my dance style in in the rare (laughs) instance of when I go to clubs.
0: Well, there you go. Look, every, every answer uh, could be perceived as correct, so I'm gonna have to give it to you. But I got to tell you, I have asked that question maybe 20 times, and that's the very first time that Jersey Shore <laughs> has come out on top. I love it. Okay,
1: look, you know the I people, it. J Wow, DJ Paulie. I mean, like they, they, the situation, Vinny. My God, dude, it's such a good show. Yeah.
0: Uh, look, nobody can argue it was entertaining. That's for sure. Uh, because people yeah. were captivated by it when they maybe shouldn't have been. But uh, is white pizza really pizza?
1: No, I, I don't fuck with that. I like It's like I don't. I had a moment with Alfredo in college where like I can't eat it anymore. Um, yep. I know. What and you mean. I feel like white sauces just like remind me too much of that. And also, I feel like it's too heavy. It always makes the pizza like pretty soggy and. I don't know. I'm just. I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not like a pizza purist, but I don't. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think it should be called like it's. You know, garlic bread with cheese. That's what it is. It's not a pizza. Yeah. You know, it's it's. Just, sure. Yeah. In order to be pizza, you got to have some. We need Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I need. A, this is a philosophical improv question. So we're past mm-hmm. COVID, thank God. Um. But when we were in the heat of the moment, um, most of in-person improv stopped. Um, and it went to a lot of companies were doing online improv, right? Uh, zoom right. or whatever it might be. So you lose, you lose the physical part of it. You go, you don't get to see the body language as much. You can't interact with people in the same way, but it, it might've, I guess my question is, do you think that the online classes that people ran for a couple years opened up different skills that might not have been opened up because of the confinement of the platform that you're using to actually do improv?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm sure it did. I mean, I, I never took a, took or gave an online class. I did a Sedana class, which was pretty good. Um, but I think what the, the tricky thing with online improv is obviously you get like you get lag or, or things like that. So I think if there was one tool in improv uh, that would really be, that I think online classes would really help with is I think listening and slowing down Yeah. because with zoom, you ha- you don't have a choice. Like you have to, someone freezes in the middle of their sentence. Like the, the scenes come to a pause. You got to wait for that person to finish their sentence. So it, I think it'll, it forces you to slow down and listen, which I think is helpful.
0: Yeah, no, that that's, that's absolutely true. And, Um, I took a couple of improv classes and, and, you know, pop-ins or whatever online. And, and at first I really didn't like it at all because I went from in person and then I did the online. It was totally, it just felt like not real, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then eventually it's like, if you're with the right group of people and you're, you're trying in earnest to kind of focus on the same things, you can get something out of it, but there's no question that live is a thousand times better for sure.
1: Oh yeah. So we were down and the, I am. Oh, go ahead. I was, I, I just, you know, I grew, I, I graduated in 2020, like right when the, you know, uh, graduate college, right when the, the pandemic happened yep. and I was back. My, my plan for years since I was in high school was graduate and immediately go to New York and get classes at uprights and brigade, mm-hmm. but COVID shut down UCB. Yeah. Um, and I was back home in Kansas, just like trying to save money working at a Starbucks. So I, I wish in retrospect, I had done some of those virtual classes, but I think at the time I was just like, I can't, this will be too sad if I, if I wanted to go to New York and I'm in my home in Kansas, you know? Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, trying,
1: trying to get the Wi-Fi to work, yeah.
0: I feel that. All right, so we are down to our last three questions. Uh, two uh, of them are not so easy. One of them is easy. I'm going to give Ooh. you a not so easy one first. Okay, so you've you've helped us solve a couple of problems here. Uh, we've definitively said that white pizza is not pizza. You know, we talked about a couple other, the driving habit thing. So so there is a scourge that's happening on our our roadways of America and oh. and it's called the Jeep wave and I'm, I'm hoping that you might be able to give some input uh, on how we can help to to put a stop to it it's it's class warfare and <laughs> I think it's making uh, a lot of drivers feel terrible about the vehicles they're driving and it's also uniting people that maybe shouldn't be uniting so I wanted to get your thoughts on on how we can put an end to it
1: um so that's a great question. I used to, I actually used to drive a, a Jeep. Uh, I do, I do fuck with a Jeep um, Jeep Wrangler. But, yeah. Yeah. It was okay. a Jeep Wrangler. Cause that's the only,
0: that's the only kind of Jeep that will wave to you. Every other Jeep. It doesn't matter if it's a Sahara or a Renegade. Oh yeah. You got to have a Wrangler four door.
1: I love that. My, you know, and my sister in high school, she had a mini Cooper and both of those cars are like the type of cars that when you see someone on the road with it, you know, you give a wave. <laughs> right. I kind of love those type of cars oh um, that hurts you're, you're not going you're not i can, I I can think, tell
0: we're not gonna get anywhere with this question
1: <laughs> well i can say i will say the, the jeep thing i think if you make the ray because they uh, a few years back they made all the wranglers um they gave it an automatic transmission option yep i think if we go back to when it was all manual and you really have to like wrestle the jeep into like staying in one lane that will that will cause right. all
0: that. Far. So there's a direct correlation on a graph that like the harder it is to operate a vehicle, the more it's acceptable to wave to another person who's dealing with the same shit. For sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. Okay. That's acceptable. Um all right, second to last question. Um you have been given an amazing opportunity. Uh the US Department of Parks has said to you, "Okay, Henry, you get to change Mount Rushmore. You get to take down the four president's faces and in their place, you get to replace them with the four funniest movies that your family quotes. So all those quotes that you guys got going that intimidate friends and girlfriends and everything else. What are the four (laughs) movies that you would select to be on your Mount Rushmore?
1: Um, okay, that's I, I could do that. I, so number one, first and foremost, because this is a movie that every Christmas my family sits down, and, and this is not an exaggeration. We literally say line for line throughout the movie. Th- that's like how we watch uh, this movie. It's Scrooge, that oh, Christmas movie.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah, the Bill Murray one. Um, my family can quote literally line for line that entire movie. So that's one of them. Um, number two, I would say, uh, I mentioned it earlier, but Tommy Boy is yep. probably up there um number three i would say forgetting sarah marshall was always a favorite of my oh, family nice. a lot of really good quotable lines there um and then four Ooh, i'm gonna throw a weird one in there just because this is one more like i quote my mom and dad quotes my brother and sister never got as into it but uh night shift you know that one I the henry Winkler movie I do know Night Shift.
0: Yeah, we own that on VCR,
1: actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's... Um, a, that's but those a- are probably three of the three of the big ones.
0: So, okay, Night Shift was one of those movies where when we first got a VCR, my dad went out and bought, like, you know, not a ton, but like four or five movies, and that was one of them. So I ended up, oddly enough, watching that movie probably a hundred times with my friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's a, it's a great movie. It's an underrated movie, underappreciated. Michael Keaton is in that movie. And mm-hmm. it's a great story. It holds up. And I think the great thing about this list, when I'm looking at it now, you've got Night Shift, which I think was either late 70s or early 80s. I forget which one, but it was definitely not past that. Then you had Scrooge, which was in the 90s tommy boy mm-hmm. which is late 90s early 2000s yeah and then probably 97 right so you so you've had like four different periods of movie making covered there and four different styles Ooh. of humor that's a very well represented mount rush i didn't even mean
1: to do that you know what and i'm gonna throw in one more just because yep, this is also five. this would be like my family's second favorite movie um in bruges was also one. Oh my god what a great awesome. movie so I got well, cha- that's actually that's probably I usually tell people that's my favorite movie if, if pressed,
0: you know, and and at, on face value you wouldn't like if you looked at the the just like the DVD cover you'd be like nah I don't think so, but you yeah. you got oh, yeah. to watch it everybody if you haven't seen it go see it and I got a chance to go to Belgium, and I got a chance to see a lot of those places that they went to, and it's such an amazing city and that movie oh, is top notch
1: Bruges is beautiful my family. Because we were so obsessed with that movie, my family saved up money and, and went to Bruges for, for, I think, five days. Uh, and my brother, sister and I did, did the same exact thing. We went around to all the places where they filmed the scenes. And, and No way. Oh, yeah. Bruges is amazing.
0: That is so cool. So you guys literally picked a vacation from a movie location set.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a fucking fairy tale. Yes. The, little, the line from there. <laughs>
0: it's amazing all right so we're down to our last and easiest question there are people in our studio audience now i can tell what they're thinking i know there are people listening at home and what they're thinking is where do i learn how to take a class at improv asylum where do i learn (laughs) how to see a performance where do i learn more about henry how do i uh you know get involved with the improv movement that he's a part of let's get the plugs out there where can people find all this great stuff?
1: Awesome. Um, God, that would be embarrassing if I didn't know the improv asylum stuff. Uh, but I, uh, I mostly perform, uh, on a, a couple of special troops at uh, Improv Asylum Boston. You can find me under studying on the NXT cast very, very frequently. And then, uh, on main stage once every blue moon. Uh, you can find classes, shows, uh, just if you're interested in one off little workshops, you can find all of that at improvasylum.com. If you want to follow me and uh, see what I'm up to, you can uh, follow me on Instagram. I'm henry underscore is underscore tired. Uh, And then lastly, I want to plug my improv, indie improv troupe. We do shows around Boston all the time. We have a show coming up this Friday and this Sunday. Um, Our name is After School Snacks Comedy. If you look that up on Instagram, you'll find us. Uh, we do shows all around town. We do a bunch of theme shows like uh, Drunk is High or uh, different indie nights. So check us out; we're a lot of fun.
0: Who doesn't love an after-school snack, right? I mean, exactly. Is there anything that was better. our thought process? So. <laughs> If you could see the audience here, they're on their feet. They're doing the wave. Oh, They've got Manchester beautiful. City flags. They've also got a Brighton flag. <laughs> um, they're waving them both. And I wanted doing to thank you. They, yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy coming on the show. Appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing over there at Improv Asylum. And I wish you nothing but the best, man. Thank
1: you. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. You're a, this was a very fun interview.
0: Awesome. Good to hear. Hope you have a great night.
1: Hey, you too, man. Take care.